Here it is another Saturday in CCO Land, 745. We're broadcasting live from the Minnesota State Fair. Jack Farrell's not here, not yet, but Jack, beautiful cars out here at the Back to the 50s weekend. That would be nostalgia for me. Oh, I tell you what, <laughs> me too. It's, it's great. I don't see a whole lot of vendors here, so I'm getting a little hungry. <laughs> well, today I thought I would chat about, uh, I was in our Maple Grove store this week, and uh, the guys came in and said, you know, we've got 2,000 cases of rosé coming in. My goodness. So I, I, some guy said to me, how many do you carry? Well, we carry almost 400 different rosés. And I thought, well, we've talked about rosé before. I thought it wouldn't hurt to revisit it. It, it. The category is really exploding. I was at a cocktail party last uh, Wednesday night, and they served champagne and rosé as an aperitif. And I looked around the room, and I was absolutely flabbergasted to see over half of the people were drinking the rosé rather than champagne as an aperitif. It's become so incredibly popular. And, you know, rosé was popular. If anybody, we talk about the 50s, anybody uh, my age area era remembers for sure Wines like Matus and Alianca and Lancers, those were probably the first wines you ever tasted. In fact, I remember going into uh, very, very prominent restaurants, and those were the only wines that were on the list, and that and champagne. And uh, the story about that, those wines is kind of interesting. After World War II, uh, the fellow in Spain decided he was going to sell uh, his rosé I'm sorry, in Portugal. He was going to sell his rosé around the world. And it was Matus, and he did, and was very successful. And another very wealthy Portuguese family uh, decided they'd sell Lancers, and their uh, wrinkle was they put it in a clay bottle rather than a glass bottle and shipped it all over. And at one time, between those two brands, they sold over 50 million cases around the world. And the U.S. was a big, big market for them. Uh, in fact, I had a, <laughs> a very rich friend who named his yacht Alianca because that's what he used to serve to all the young ladies that would come aboard the yacht. And so the yacht was christened Alianca, and it, it stayed in service actually under that name for decades. And it was always kind of fun. And a lot of people would say, well, where'd you ever get that name? Well, obviously they weren't of our era, or they'd remember Alianca was a very popular uh, Portuguese rosé. And while uh, today is a different reason uh, the rosés are popular, they taste good. And you know, what happened in this huge transition, if you will, was people went to blush wines. Uh, Robert Trinchero had some Zinfandel uh, a surplus, and he thought, well, he would try and sell it as white Zinfandel. And it was fairly successful. That first year, he sold 25,000 cases. So he thought he was on to something. Three years later, he was selling over 2 million cases a year of white Zinfandel. And, of course, that white Zinfandel, this is just an aside, saved hundreds of old Zinfandel vines that were being torn up because Zinfandel at the time wasn't very popular. And this white Zinfandel, you couldn't get enough of it. Everybody was making white Zinfandel. Well, white Zinfandel and other blush wines... A blush wine is just another name for rosé. At this time, were decidedly sweet. And the people that liked them uh, liked sweeter wines. And thus, really, uh, was the 
downfall of all good rosés because everyone thought pink rosés. Well, uh, you, you they, they just had no appeal. They were very popular with the ladies, but men thought blush wine was strictly for the ladies and not manly, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. In fact, that opinion by men of rosé somewhat exists even today, although it, it shouldn't anymore because the rosés are so incredibly good. Uh, and whether they come from Portugal, like the first batch of the Matus and Lancers, or other parts of the world, rosé is here to stay, and it is very, very good. You know, my favorite rosé in the whole world is a rosé from the Rhone Valley called Tevel. It has its own appellation of origin, and all the grape types that make uh, Tevel are Grenache, Cinso, Syrah, and a little bit of Moduvra. And anyway, Tevel has always been, that's all they produce in this big area in the Rhone Valley is rosé wine, and it's called Tevel, and it has a lot more oomph than most rosés, in my opinion. It's fairly high in alcohol, usually about 13%, and it, you really taste the flavors of rosé. It, it makes a marvelous aperitif and goes well with so many things. I'll never forget my introduction to Tavel. <coughs> Pardon me. Came in the early 70s. We were in Monaco, and we were having a salad niçoise, and the sommelier suggested having Tavel. Well, I had heard of it, but never had it, and I had it, and I thought it went perfectly with a salad niçoise. And to this day, whenever I have salad niçoise, I have a Tavel wine. And Tavel, you know, was popular with kings and popes, etc. So the area has a long and noble history, and that's all they produce there is that rosé wine. And like I say, it's a rosé. I always tell people that Tavel's a rosé for red wine drinkers. If you're a red wine drinker and you've been hesitant to try a rosé because you think they're just too dainty and feminine, try a Tavel. That'll change your mind really fast. However, the biggest area perhaps in the entire world uh, for rosé wines is another area of France, Provence. And this is a huge area. It's the pretty area of France where you see these huge fields of lavender that are just almost breathtaking, that purple flower waving like we have wheat, uh, fields of wheat out in Nebraska and places like that. They have fields of lavender. And uh, the Provence area is just very romantic. Uh, easy life, the mistrals come around, the, that's the wind off of the ocean, come around year-round, etc. But they produce wine there, and Provence white, red, white, and uh, rosé are, are very popular. They're inexpensive wines, and they really fulfill a, a bill. They're a little softer, but they make great rosé wine. As a matter of fact, what's his name, Brad Pitt and his ex-wife had a vineyard there called Miraval, which became very popular only because of Brad Pitt's ownership, not really because the wine is so good, although I must say the wine isn't too bad. In uh, Provence is the second largest area of France, uh, and it produces lots and lots of rosé. So uh, that would be another nice area to start. But then don't overlook the Rhone Valley, where the Tavel comes from. They also make some other wonderful rosés, Cote de Rhone rosés, uh, and uh, rosés from all over the Rhone Valley are very popular. And some of them, again, they have some real body and character, 
and they're very interesting because, again, they're made from Syrah and Moduvra and uh, Grenache, and these, that those grape types have a lot of character that impart themselves so nicely to the rosé. And another area of France, and I'm, I'm not deliberately just dwelling on France, but the French really started the rosé market. <coughs> and so, uh, therefore, I think it's only appropriate we talk a little bit about it. The Loire Valley produces a rosé d'Anjou. Same area that gave us Anjou pears gives us this wonderful rosé d'Anjou. Uh, it's a delightful wine. It's made generally from Cabernet Franc grapes. Again, it's a little softer, a great wine to introduce your friends to rosé wines because it's a little bit softer. There's a tiny little bit more residual sugar in rosé d'Anjou than you'll find in, say, a Provence wine. But those are great. But then, of course, you know, rosé is not just confined to France. They make rosé everywhere they make wine in the world. Uh, people make rosé. In fact, I often tell the story of being at Chateau Clark many, many years ago, and we were served an aperitif of rosé wine. And I went up to our hostess, Nadine Rothschild, and I said, uh, where did you get the rosé? Oh, we make it here. I said, have you ever sold it? No, no one's ever asked. Would you sell me 100 cases? She said, yes. And I bought the 100 cases, and the rest was history. And that was before rosés were very popular. But the rosé was that good. And it was made from what they call the Sanyi method. The Sanyi is when they take a little wine of, of uh, red wine fermenting before it gets totally fermented into red wine. They take grapes or the juice off the top, and it's called Sanyi or bleeding. And they use that bleeding wine, then they ferment that separately, and that's their rosé. And that's how Chateau Clark's rosé is made, from that Sanyi method. And believe me, that Chateau Clark is absolutely a delicious uh, rosé wine from Bordeaux. So Burgundy makes rosé, Bordeaux, Chianti, almost every wine-producing area in the world makes rosé. And today, American winemakers are jumping on the bandwagon. However, I find most American rosés uh, that are really high quality are a little on the pricey side. It's to me, it's nice to get an Oregon rosé that's under twenty dollars. They're pretty good, they, and they're a good representation because mostly they're made from Pinot Noir. So anyway, rosés are here to stay. That's for certain. I'm glad to see it's, it's such a great growth area. If you haven't tried one. Why not try? Well, we have some hot weather coming up, I'm assured by the weatherman. And when that hot weather comes, there's nothing better as an aperitif than a cold glass of rosé wine. And, you know, it's always been popular as rosé champagnes. They're always the most expensive champagnes, uh, and there's good reason for it. They're very, very good. And today you can get sparkling rosés that are also wonderful. So uh, I suppose there's a good reason why we got 2,000 cases of rosé wine in, and that's because it sells, it's becoming more and more popular, and if you haven't tried one yet, I honestly urge you to get out and try one, and if you want to try something really good, try that Tavel Royal Cuvée, it is just, it's Tavel again, and the name of it's Royal, R-O-Y-A-L, and it's about $15, $16 a bottle, and I, I'm telling you, It'll make, <coughs> excuse me, a believer out of the most jaded palate that rosés are not just for the ladies. 
Absolutely. And I tell you, there's places, not just one place, but a variety of places at Haskell's where you can find the, the, all sorts of rosés, right? All sorts of rosés. In fact, this afternoon they're going to be tasting rosés. Stop in, taste a rosé, and believe me, like I said, they're, they're perfect for summer sipping. In fact, they're perfect for year-round sipping rosés. And Haskell's has the most in the marketplace. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine. Haskell's down in Bloomington, in Excelsior. Uh, there's a Haskell's in Faribault right off of 35. That Maple Grove store is unbelievable. You've got to go in there to absolutely see it. The wine wall there holds over 16,000 bottles of wine. It's just worth it to take a picture of it uh, up in Maple Grove. And, of course, in Minneapolis, we have free parking on Saturdays and Sundays. There's a store at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Highland Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com, and it'll take you right to our summer sale brochure. And believe me, stop in and pick up a bottle of rosé. You won't be unhappy. It's a good day for that for sure. Well, Jack, let's talk one week from today. We'll be back in the studio. Denny, you know I'm going to look... Uh, why don't you buy me one of those 50s cars? What would you like? <laughs> How about a 55 Chevy? I got one right out here. Ah, uh, or 55 was the year they introduced the Mustang. Uh, yeah, the Mustang, wasn't it? A 64. Oh, what was that like? I'll go, I'll go find you one of those, okay? <laughs> there you go. Thank I you. I feel very generous today. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Thanks. Jack. Jack Farrell back next uh, Saturday morning with another wine check.